what do you think? I'm Al. I'm C. And uh, today we're reviewing Firestarter from uh, Universal Studios. Yeah, Al and I saw this on a cool Thursday night at our nearby theater, and um, we I think we had some slightly differing opinions on it. Uh, would you Would you agree with that? I, I would. I would see. I would definitely agree with that. Now, let me ask you, um, uh, in, in a way to open up the conversation, I would guess, um, mm-hmm. should we go like with Stephen? Yeah, let's go with Stephen King. So this is a yeah. Stephen King adaptation. Uh, what's uh, what to you was like your best or your favorite of the Stephen King adaptation? Um, my favorite Stephen, ad- Stephen King adaptation I've ever seen uh, it's it's a little obvious, but it's The Shining. I mean, come on, it's there is no better. Um, it's it it's just it's brilliant. There's no other way around it. All right, uh, so <laughs> that's kind of the same answer for me. So I guess in order to keep the conversation going, at least for a little bit, um... why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Outside of The Shining, Al, what is your favorite Stephen King adaptation? Ooh. Uh... I don't want to say Dr. Slave because I feel like that's still The Shining. <laughs> you know what? I was going to say Dr. Sleep too. <laughs> um, let me oh think. Oh, my God. Let me think. Uh, blah, oh, blah, that's blah. funny. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess uh, Misery. Al, Al, what? what? Are we basic? Probably. We're, we're a couple <laughs> of basic bitches. Oh, my God. Okay. You want to know something terrible, Al? What? I have never seen Misery. No. I've never seen it. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding. I, what? Dude. The, I okay, know. folks, for those folks out there, uh, I am as surprised about this revelation as I was when C admitted to me a couple years back that he had never seen Network. Okay, listen. Don't, first off, I feel the judgment, judgment of all five people that are listening to us right now. And I'm I'm not asking for it. I don't need it. Um, it was uncalled for. I do not consent to it. So <laughs> okay, okay, okay. But, but so, so listen, network is less of a surprise. And first off, you deci- shocked that I'd never seen network was somewhat of a you like based on how you knew me at the time. That's Misery is a bigger shot because not not everybody's seen Network. Let's just be honest. It's, by no. the way, for the record, it's now one of my favorite screenplays ever written that I've seen yeah. in a movie. Yeah, it's considered one of the greatest screenplays ever written. It's up there, but it's not my favorite, Al. It's not my favorite. Wow. wow you know what wow, my favorite wow. screenplay is? Uh, I don't know. What? Groundhog's Day. That's okay, my favorite okay, okay, okay. It's I genius. Can, I can agree with that. I can go with that. Okay. But network's like number two or three. Anyways, yes, folks, I have never seen Misery, and I intend to change that very soon. Um, okay, so I would say Misery's probably my favorite. Uh, the other, well, okay, there's there's the Shawshank Redemption. There's the Green Mile. There's the other Rob Reiner directed Stephen King flick. Uh, stand by me so mm, what, what would it be for you the reason i like misery is because okay i have nothing against frank Bar- darabont and uh, the green mile and shawshank redemption i think they're great they're just really really long and what i like about misery is that it's like what maybe two hours maybe a little bit under two hours and yeah i can watch it and it's, it's a fun movie uh you know uh what's her face kathy bates is amazing as the villain in the movie and it's it was kind of like 
I don't know if you knew this, and then you know we'll continue on because we're wasting precious time. But it's I think okay. you knew this, see, that a lot of the leading men in Hollywood did not want uh, to play the male lead in Misery because they thought it was emasculating. Mm, I didn't know that at all. That's actually quite fascinating. I gotta th- say though, okay, I was going with Doctor Sleep Sleep initially because it was on a bit of a horror binge, mm-hmm. like as far as like especially with the movie we're going to review. Mm-hmm. But ignoring the horror aspect, I have to admit, the Shawshank Redemption is pretty fucking great. Like no one can deny this, mm-hmm. and I actually uh, about I th- I think I want to say a year ago. Uh, actually, at this point with covid two years ago they replayed shawshank redemption on the big screen and i went to go see it Mm -hmm. it's the famous scene when he breaks out when he escapes and listen folks no spoilers it's been out forever yes he escapes when he does it's so good on the big screen there's no way to describe it it's fantastic Mm -hmm. well all right so kind of circling back to firestarter So this is the second attempt at adapting the Stephen King novel. The first attempt was in 1984, I believe. And see, I know you haven't seen it because I've never seen it as well. No. But uh, do you know who who was the lead in uh, the 84 version of Firestarter? No clue. Drew Barrymore. Really? Yeah. Drew Barrymore was the lead in Firestarter. Wow. And and point of fact, uh the the uh the poster with her hair kind of like on fire mm-hmm. was a very iconic image in the early 80s. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So so uh yeah, this was one of the films that along with ET that made Drew Barrymore a star, a child <laughs> star. And it's yeah, no, it's it's you know it's interesting to see that you know uh, Universal's like well let's see if we can make a star out of someone else in this and I think mm-hmm. as you said earlier you and I share some very different opinions on the success of that so you mm-hmm. know without further ado how about uh, we watch the the trailer for Firestarter? Daddy, what's going on? Something feels weird. Something's changing. You remember the tools we taught you, right? Pencil, desk, paper, shoes. You're weird. Everything okay, Charlie? It happened again. What happened? The bad thing. If you ever start to lose control, what do you do? It didn't work. She's not a robot, Annie. She's a little girl. With little girl emotions, which are wildly unpredictable. Charlie? She just has to shove it down and keep it hidden. Our responsibility is getting her ready. Our responsibility? is to protect her. Charlie? If they catch her, they're gonna put her in a cage. Charlie? They're gonna run tests on her for the rest of her life. We'll never see her again. If who catches me? Something's happened. I need it handled with discretion. And I need her back alive. Holy shit. Do you know what it means to be on the run? Bad men are after us. Really bad. I hate living like this! You're special, Charlie. I'm not special! I'm a monster! Charlie! I want to help her. You want to use her? Charlie? Don't be stupid. Where's mommy? Do you feel that? Let her go or it's gonna get a lot worse. Where's mommy? Tell me now! She's afraid. 
first of her kind. A real life superhero. You need to understand how to use it. It can't be a reaction. It's gotta be a decision. That's the only way that you can control it. She's becoming a young woman. I'm not going to jail. And someday soon... You're gonna change the world. She may be capable of a nuclear explosion. Run, Charlie! On your knees! Simply with the force of her mind. <laughs> the whole world's going to hell. Promise me that you'll never use your gifts to hurt people. I'll only hurt bad people, I promise. Trust me, Charlie. You don't have to be afraid. Please, I can help you. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. I don't want to hurt anyone. But it feels kind of good. I'm a little annoyed that it turns out this was on Peacock. We could have just watched this on Peacock. We didn't have to go to the movie theater for it. Not, but not we that... did, Al. We okay. did. Yeah, we did. We did. We, we actually did see this at a movie theater, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, okay. Uh, see, let's start with you. Um, what you, what you, well, first, I, I think we should at least explain what the movie's about. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, it stars uh, Zac Efron and... Um, Sydney Lemon as two uh, former test subjects of a mysterious government program where apparently they were chosen to participate because they seem to have some sort of mild and very low, very mild like psychic abilities. So they get injected with something that's only ever referred to as lot six, a chemical known as lot six, and apparently it does some pretty fucked up things to them and they escape and they get together, hook up. And she gets pregnant and has a baby. And in the first scene of the movie, uh, we're, we see that baby set itself on fire. And uh, that's pretty much how I feel about this movie. Uh, the, their daughter named Charlie is this young girl who every time she gets mad, fire basically bursts out of her. She's a, what we in the business called a pyro, pyrotechnic, I think. Mm, and uh, I don't know if that maybe yeah that, that might be the word i'm not sure i'm not i'm not an expert on telepathic powers ladies and gentlemen mm. and uh after she has an episode uh the government the government the government comes after them uh so yeah that's pretty much the basis of this movie i don't know how closely it follows the original book i have never read the original book i've have actually you? heard that a lot of fans are pissed because it dv apparently there's some significant deviations well, well did you know if there were significant deviations with the 84 movie with drew barrymore i really didn't know much about here's my up to my knowledge of of uh that original movie uh Without giving too much away, there's a place, Al and I both went, we've known each other for a while, and there's a store we both went to a lot that has this poster in the wall. That's my limit to my knowledge, really, prior to this point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I really don't know, like both, like she said, he and I don't really know much about the history of this property, you know, both as a novel and as the original adaptation in the 80s. 
but so really and truly all our conversation will be strictly about this movie. Yeah. Uh, like Sia stated, he and I are not, we've never read the books, so we're not fans of the books. I, I would venture though to say that, you know, we both like Stephen King stuff for the oh, most yeah. part. I mean, I have an intense fear of clowns, so I will never read or watch anything involving Pennywise the Clown. So I can't speak to that. But um, sure. but yeah, so uh, let's start off with you, see. Uh, initial thoughts on the film. I will say that in a moment. I just want to acknowledge a quick elephant in the room. If anyone hears any weird whining sounds or moving sounds, that's just Al's dog. He's fine. He's just being a big baby. I just wanted to acknowledge if anyone hears that. Like uh, like I said before, see, it, we don't always have to acknowledge everything that happens, you know? Uh, yes, I do, Al. I have to acknowledge everything. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm, I'm kidding. So, okay. The, okay, here are my thoughts on the movie. Um, I got a real X-Men vibe from this. And that's clear because it's all about people with psychic abilities and pyrotechnics. Let's just say that's the word we're using um, for just the power of one's mind to make something material real or to cause an effect in some way. Um, and it gave me a lot of X-Men vibes, specifically the first two movies, because the movie at least attempted to have a really humanist approach to people with these powers. Um, and I honestly say I really appreciated that. I like when movies take a genuine humanist approach to the concept of superpowers. Not tries to do it, but really does it. I think the most recent example of this might actually, another X-Men movie, might be Logan, but that's a story for another time. Um, so I really appreciated that it was that. I also have to fully admit that my expectations for this movie were like bottom of the Mariana Trench low. Like I really didn't have a lot of high expectations. I was already hearing whispers of this really not being good. Uh, a ton of pandering from critics, even though I hadn't read anything specific because I really try not to read something before I see it uh, or a review before I see it. But uh, just a ton of pandering so I really had low expectations going in. Now, I was personally pleasantly surprised by this movie. Is it a perfect movie? No. Is it a great movie? No. But it's, it's, it has these, it has interesting moments. Uh, and I really valued it for that interesting moments. I think the strongest thing about this movie, without a doubt in my mind, which really helped carry it for me for a while, was the score. The score to this movie is so damn good. And you may be thinking, like, why is that going to carry you through a movie? A good score will take you places. And this score is fantastic. It's very 80s-like, a little synthy, but very intense and gets your heart moving. It's really, really powerful. For those that don't know, the score is actually, like, in part composed by John Carpenter. Um, and I know a lot of people know him as a director first. I mean, obviously, he's a, a very famous horror director. But he has composed a lot of stuff. Most notably, he is the composer for most of the Halloween films. Like the da 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 That's John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. So when you want to go synthy, if you don't get the guy, uh, Vangelis, who did uh, Chariots of Fire and Blade Runner, you get John Carpenter, who did uh, all his own movies and uh, this one as well. Oh, yeah. And that's without a doubt the strongest point of this movie. Like I, I fully, I didn't see it, but I heard it. Um, that being said, though, I really enjoyed where this movie started out. 
I didn't like where it was eventually going, but I really liked where it started out. I actually think that, assuming this is a three-act structure, which it pretty much was, the first act was actually very strong. And initially, when watching that, I was going to be... I was about to be... I was actually really excited because I thought, wow, were the critics wrong? Is this actually really good? It ended up not being as good as, like, I'd hoped it would be. The critics proved their point later on. But because the opening was so good and the soundtrack was so good, I kind of just got onto the movie's wavelength and accepted the faults as they came, but still had a good time with it. So that's really my impression. I also have to admit that I really feel the acting in this movie was way stronger than I expected it to be. Zac Efron was doing his thing, the girl did a fine job, but there are these side characters, or even smaller characters, that were quite good. There's also a couple really bad ones too, which is a part of the problem with the movie. But I guess to summarize my feelings on this movie, it's, I was pleasantly surprised. And that's it. Okay, so uh, C is being a lot more gracious and magnanimous towards the movie than I am. <laughs> I ended up not really liking this movie. I originally would have said not really caring for it, but I, I really didn't like it. And the, the best part was is that like the more I tried to explain to him why I was pleasantly surprised after we saw the movie, he liked it less, which was yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so something I forgot to mention earlier is this is a Blumhouse production. So Jason Blum produced this. For those of you that are not aware, Jason Blum is famous for producing these not micro-budget, but very small-budgeted horror films and just releasing them in mass. Sometimes he has hits with, as in the original Paranormal Activity, and uh, the other stuff he's produced, like um, Happy Death Day, and uh, he actually produced uh, Get Out, directed by Jordan Peele, and he's the producer on the most recent reboots of the Halloween franchise with Universal. In fact, I think he mostly works with Universal now. Uh, so... After seeing, you know, the credits and being like, oh, Jason Blum is the producer on this, I kind of knew what to expect because, like, I've already gave you some of his hits, but a lot of his other stuff that he produces, that he makes in his studio are not hits. They're this is this is true. There a lot of it. Uh, there's for all the hits, there's a lot of trash. And this is actually kind of funny. Uh Hulu had a deal with Jason Blum where if his studio, if his production company made movies that he was like, these won't even sell in the theater, he gets to just dump them on Hulu. So there's like literally a whole section in Hulu that's just Jason Blum movie or Blumhouse movies. And really? they're all trash. Like uh, like the, the great gentleman over at Red Letter Media did reviews of like a bunch of them and it's a great watch. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Red Letter Media did the Pinkman reviews on the Star Wars stuff. Give them a watch. They're amazing. Uh, so I knew going in that, okay, this is going to be a small budgeted affair. When it seems like from the original, the original 84 movie, it was more of a mid-budget picture that was, you know, that had some stars in it. I mean, uh, some of these names might actually surprise you. Uh, let's see. Um, let me pull up. Like, well, actually, no, you want, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to just get straight to what I thought. So it's a it's a small budgeted movie. The only there are only like two known actors here. Well, Zac Efron, who would you say Zac Efron is still a star? He's uh, he's like on the 
he he wavers between B and C list. Although I read something today that he's like talking about how he's excited to do a high school musical reunion movie, which tells you where his career is really at. Oh my but, god! You know, um, <laughs> okay, okay. He seems B-list. like a nice guy. B list. He's a B lister. He he floats between B and C. Okay, so Zac Efron is the no- most known name here by millennials. And the second most known name is Kurt Wood Smith, who people would know as Red from that 70s show uh, or his villainous turn in uh, the original RoboCop. Uh, Kurt Wood Smith is only literally in one scene. Actually, He's no, in, I, one and he, a half. Yeah, he, I was about to say, but yeah, pretty much. Um, everyone else is people I've never heard of. Obviously, Charlie is played by a relative newcomer named Ryan Kiara Armstrong. Uh, the... Zac Efron's wife is played by this actress, Sydney Lemon. And one of the villains is played by this actress, Gloria Rubin. And uh, John Beasley plays Irv Manders, uh, a supporting character that has most of his parts in the second act. And then the heavy, like kind of the Terminator-like character who's trying to capture uh, this family is uh, Michael Grayeyes as Rainbird. Um, so Zac Efron is... As the dad, you know, the the papa bear, it does pretty good. You know, I'll, I'll give C that. Like, when you think Zac Efron, you don't think papa bear do everything to protect his kid. You kind of think frat boy. Mm-hmm. And he actually, you know, does a good job being that dad who will do everything to protect his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Grayeyes as Rainbird. Now, here's the thing. In that performance... There is something compelling brimming under the surface, but he's given so little to do. I feel like this is true. I feel like a chunk of his of the Rainbird character is on the cutting room floor that honestly, he has a third act turn that's just baffling to me. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, like, okay, I, I, I can't believe that you're going this route, not because your acting is bad. But because I feel like I missed like at least a good 20 minutes of your character development. Well, there is definitely and I I will get I will give you this without a doubt. The movie is really bad at transitioning between the acts and more specifically certain scenes. It kind of like it does this uh, time jump thing where not that's not a little plot point of the movie it's just like oh they were there and now they're just here there's the worst moment in the like introduction to the final scene where this little girl basically crosses the coast in like a minute yeah um it definitely feels like so this movie's only 95 minutes long barely what's considered feature length which is Mm -hmm. you know 90 minutes is the absolute bare minimum and this is only five minutes more than that and from looking at the trailer, I see so many shots that were not in the final film that I'm convinced that when they shot this, uh, the director, uh, this is directed by a relative newcomer, Keith Thomas. This is only his second production. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really feels like he saw what he had, realized he had a steaming pile of shit, and just trimmed it, trimmed it just to get it out as fast as possible. And that's how I really felt like when I was watching this movie, because so many scenes, like when they transition, I'm like, I feel like there was something missing here. Uh, So uh, Charlie, the character of Charlie obviously has to learn how to control her powers. And in the film proper, we get a montage that lasts like 30 seconds. 
And she oh, the goes, montage is shitty. I admit that's that was. She shitty. she literally goes from like every time she gets scared, something blows up. To now she can focus and turn things on fire at will. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, really? Is this what we're doing? Okay. Uh, for example, I really felt that this movie has major flaws, but at the end of the day knew what it was. And that was a rebirthed 80s movie about a girl who could start fires with her mind. And it really played into that really well for a while. Um, I would argue simply that the first act is the strongest. The second act is the weakest. It really dips down. And the third act recovers a little bit. Like It's got a really cool final scene or last sequence, uh, but then it, its final uh, end point is kind of weird. So, again, I'm not trying to make it seem like this movie is the next, um, how would you say... Uh, the next undiscovered gem. No, not at all. But I do. Don't think ever get it. diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Now I'm back. So, yeah. No, it's. So she, again, like I was saying, she goes from not knowing how to control her power. Anytime she has even an emotion, like fear or anger, things explode. To oh, now I can control things, and make people blow up on command just by you know focusing for 30 seconds it's it's crazy it is it is crazy i do i do admit that um i just think that this and again maybe it's because my expectations were so low and i'm not saying yours were high i i think you had a similar gut feeling about this movie as well if i were to guess but i was just so like i really enjoyed where it was initially going and then I think I just went along for the ride and maybe that's lazy of me but hey what can you say and I think the strong performances in many of the roles and uh really kept it going for me um even though it was very disjointed and very odd sorry the strong performances and the really good soundtrack like held me through the bad moments it's kind of like, I think I took it less seriously, therefore I had more fun with it. I think that's the best way to put it. I'm not saying you treated it like it was the next, um, you know, recent winner at the Cannes Film Festival, but I am <laughs> saying that I think, I think I just like, I just somehow was able to connect to its wavelength in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Although every once in a while I have a situation like this where I really like a movie, but no one else. I think every, would you say everyone has that at a certain point where there's a movie that even if you don't love it, that you think is better than everyone else is saying you've had, have you ever had that? Well, yes, I, I actually really do enjoy watching revenge of the fallen. Well, there you go. You really enjoy watching the revenge of the Fall fallen. Uh, one of the many transformers movies. Uh, Al, do people feel the same way as you? Obviously not. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that I was as enthralled as you were for Revenge of the Fallen, which I happen to know you were rather enthralled by. Um, at least that's my understanding. But it is kind of this awkward thing where it's like, it is weird to like something no one else likes or that everyone see, agrees is not good or, or think is better than people are saying. Because like you're reading these reviews and you're not, I'm not even disagreeing with what the reviews are saying. I just feel like, well, you just need to adjust your attitude. It's like, that's where kind of I'm at with it, which is kind of funny. So it's like, is it me or them? And in this case, I have to admit, I guess it's me. 
Uh, okay. So, but see, here's my question. Do you genuinely like this movie? Do you, would this be a movie you would watch again? No. Okay. So I, I think that's the big difference. Like, like I, I can rewatch Revenge of the Fallen. But I, I, like you said, you you can't you wouldn't rewatch this. So I think I think that's the that's the one big difference. And, and, and here's something I'll add. Um, the the film the 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 small budget shows because mm-hmm. you're expecting a kind of like this this like horror film with with like people on fire and crazy effects that show off the pyrotechnic stuff that only really happens in what three scenes three and a half uh she she basically there's there's a big fireball scene at the first act which lets the government know where they are there's there's a scene where she sets well there's a scene in the house where she's trying to set someone on fire and it's just one big pyro ball and that's it Mm-hmm. And um, then there's the third act where she goes ham on the government agents. Yeah. A- and here's the thing. And there's in the l- meantime, she practice her, practices her firepowers on some poor animals and logs. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of the animals, like I was going to add, there is like a couple of really gruesome scenes involving uh, practical effects where you knew that like, oh, this scene is only here to show off the practical effects of someone burning to death. Mm hmm. Because um, they knew they had to include. They knew if they didn't do that, they'd be completely screwed. Yeah, no, that's like something they had to include. Um, but other than that, this movie—it's so much just talking in bland photography that I was like, really? Like, I, I know this is the guy's only second movie, but you would think, you know, you you know how you and I always hear that, like, oh, if. Uh, a limited budget just allows you to be more creative. I, I don't feel like the director of this movie, Keith Thomas, did anything creative to to uh, to kind of circumvent the fact that, you know, this is such a small budgeted pick. And like, yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, when I see a title called Firestarter, I'm expecting some burning bodies. And when I only literally get like maybe a handful, it's like, well, well what are we doing here? What, 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 what's the deal? What's the deal with that? <laughs> True. No, I, I understand that. I guess I just didn't, I didn't need to see her burn down a school, I guess, with her mind. And I didn't need her to see, I didn't need to see her like go that ham on it. But I will admit that definitely the the small budget shows, uh, without a doubt, and of course there there are clear moments where entire chunks of the story were removed because either the director, producers, or editor decided that it wasn't working. Yeah, no, it's <sighs> yeah. I mean, again, Kirkwood Smith has a pretty good scene as the the scientist who's kind of responsible for all this. Um, but again, he only has one scene. Mm-hmm. Um, one and a, no, he has a scene and a title sequence. Oh, by the way, the title sequence for me was the best part of the movie. No, that's and see, that's what I'm saying. It's like you you go into that, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I'm excited. Yeah. And then the first act carried me through, and then yes, the second act got really weak. Specifically, how you can, t- you know what? 
Remember how they went out for ice cream and they come back and like everything's bad now? Yeah. I can tell they shot a scene at the ice cream shop. I can tell they did. But then they didn't include it because I guess they decided it wasn't working. So because here's, you can see you can see there was something happening. So here here's my question then. Do you think that they cut off all that stuff because you know, nobody I mean most people don't strive to make a barely 95 minute movie. You know, usually they try to True. hit the 120 minute mark. Do you think that they cut off a lot of character building stuff? Because, and listen, I don't mean to attack this actress, but you know, Ryan Kerr Armstrong, this is like her first big thing. Maybe she just wasn't really up to the task or maybe Zac Efron really wasn't working as the dad, but obviously they just finished shooting it. They're not going to, recast and reshoot the whole movie so they just cut out the more cringy parts of him do you think it might have been something like that so i don't think the little girl I, I, the little girl actress did a bad job i think she did what was asked of the role and that was fine with her she did what was needed um all well and good i think what happened is there were probably i for some reason and i'm guessing I feel like there was a scene at the ice cream shop. I feel like there was more. There were more scenes of the father and daughter on the road, and I feel like there was a scene of the girl on the road by herself. Like either she hops on a bus or takes some sort of, or maybe bikes for a while. Something else. Like there's more on the road scenes, more traveling scenes, and I. It's it's conjecture to say whether or not, like the acting was bad in these scenes. I think what they realized is they had a nearly, you know two-hour movie on their hands and a lot of it was just talking and they realized it was boring them to tears but they couldn't go back and like change the structure of the story mm -hmm. but they realized oh wait you're not really missing anything if you move remove these three to five scenes okay. now you are missing like obviously you're missing something but what i mean is the audience will understand what's happening that's i think what they based it on it's like does the audience understand what's happened and the answer is yes we did know what was happening so that's probably what i feel like that's what they did keep in mind i have no no proof of this at all okay so there's not really much more to say about this movie so let's just give our ratings so uh what do you rate this see Al, I give it a movie that you don't have to see in theaters. You know, again, C is being so magnanimous, and it, it kind of hurts me to say it, but I give this a sucks for a horror movie. I hate that you were at a meh when we walked out of the movie, and then me, as I said, the more I talked about it, the lower you went. On yeah. It. It's like, <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm at, a, I'm at a, this fire starter sucks. And here's the funny thing, though. This made me curious to watch the original because I was like, well, the original can't be as bad as this. And, you no, know, well, one well, there's one review that and it was such a it was such a mean review. It just the opening was this remake makes the original look good. Oh, wow. Now I and have I'm like, to. I'm like, are you serious? Is, is it is it so bad? It's good. But here's the here's the, the sad part. This isn't a it's so bad. It's good. Or even a, it's so bad it's mad. This is it's so bad it sucks. And I, I just, yeah. I mean, listen, I, the the acting wasn't atrocious. It's just so aimless. This movie could literally be called Aimless, and that'd be a more appropriate title. You know, aimless. I just pictured Aimless, but in the cool fiery font. Yeah, no, no kidding. So, uh, yeah, no, that's it for this review. Uh, I'm Al. I'm C. Till next time. See you later, everybody.